This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. Good afternoon. You're listening to Live and Learn with me, Dashran Johan. Home Minister Saifuddin Nasution indicated that he has no intention of reviewing the Security Offences Special Measures Act, also known as SOSMA. It's important to note that Saifuddin Nasution is a supposed reformist and PKR and PH has been campaigning against SOSMA for years. So on the first and second half of today's show, I'm going to be speaking to Seven Dore Sami. He's the executive director of Swaram on why we need to abolish SOSMA. And on the third half of the show, we are going to be playing a portion of an old interview of mine where former Pataling Jaya MP Maria Chin Abdullah talked about her experience being detained without trial under SOSMA. Welcome to the show, Seven. How would you respond to the Home Minister's statement on not reviewing SOSMA? Thank you for having me. Very disappointed. Previous home ministers uh, said uh, Muhyiddin or after that Hamza, uh, there was no much uh, reform uh, and, and in many occasions they showed no respect for the human rights and all that. Even in some part, it was worse, uh, especially handling the refugees and migrant workers or undocumented workers as well. And also uh, during Hamza's time, they went on charge human rights defenders who staged a public uh, assembly and all that. So. When uh, Saifuddin was uh, appointed as a home minister, there was a hope, right? Under the Pakatan Harapan, Harapan is hope. So we were hoping the more reform will come. But at this point of time, it's uh, at the very early stage. Uh, although it was very uh, disappointed, but you try to understand what um, his uh, position at that point of time. Uh, probably he's been advised. But knowing uh, Saifuddin and uh, knowing uh, one of the demand by uh, Pakatan Harapan is also to abolish uh, SOSMA, during the before the election and all that. What Saifuddin need to do now is hold his horse. I know he's new, he wanted to do a lot of things, but have to have a better advisor. In this case, you don't even have to have an advisor. You know, you should know. Uh, I'm sure Saifuddin still remember uh, how SOSMA was misused against political dissenters, although the government promised it won't be used against political dissenters in the case of Kairudin and Matthias Chang. Uh, even uh, they challenged after that 28 days, they went on and challenged that at the court and then court declared their detention is unconstitutional. Even Maria's, uh, Maria Chin's case also. So Saipurin should remember all this and, and also the SOSMA LTT, so-called SST. The court declared uh, the use of SOSMA is unconstitutional. The non-bailable part is unconstitutional. It was clearly mentioned. So where is your homework on this, right? Even if you forgot. Uh, about your promises to abolish uh, SOSMA. But where is your homework on SOSMA is being misused, uh, not only within the scope of SOSMA, it also misused beyond the scope of SOSMA itself. And uh, we have more than three occasions. So at this point of time, very disappointed, but at the same time, it's not too late. Saifuddin must retract his statement. Saifuddin should hold his horse and have a proper uh, stakeholders engagement. There's also many civil society organizations already working on this issue. Uh, we have a strong um, uh, evidences uh, why SOSMA is continuously misused and uh, what is happening during the 28 day, days and all that. And, uh, uh, and, and, and it's important for Saifuddin to call for a stakeholders meeting urgently to have a proper discussion. And uh, during uh, Pakatan Harapan uh, in post-2018, uh, there was one point of time they put forward a moratorium uh, on the usage of uh, POCA, POTA and uh, SOSMA. So I think I'm also calling uh, Saifuddin, before he even decide anything, he should have 
to get a proper advice on certain things, don't rush into. And remember, uh, we are also a part of United Nations Human Rights Council, Malaysia. So we need to be a good example. One more thing, Saifuddin was also former coordinator within the Gerakan Mansukan ISA. So he knows uh, the issue, the problem with detention without trial laws. And SOSMA, the 28 days is a detention without trial. What is SOSMA and how did it come to be? If you remember, SOSMA was enacted in 2012. Uh, it was uh, passed in the parliament in 2012. This is after met the uh, of abolishment of ISA Internal Security Act. So we have been uh, struggling uh, quite very long time under the Internal Security Act, uh, which is also um, uh, security law. Uh, we call it a detention without trial law. So a little bit flashback on ISA. ISA was enacted in 1960. Um, during that time, the main reason was given is uh, is part of the counter measurement against uh, terrorists at that point of time, uh, um, a communist uh, terrorism. Uh, that was uh, the reason was given in 1960. But at the same time, uh, we got our independence in 1957. Uh, but British imposed a state of emergency in 1948, and it was not lifted up until 1960. So, in another word, we got our independence, but at the same time, we were under emergency still so there was a measurement so that's like it's contradicting itself right uh, emergency was lifted and isa was introduced in 1960 and uh, at that point of time there were a lot of um, uh, protests as well against this in terms of um, coming out statement that uh, it the law can be easily misused uh, because under the isa 60 days of detention uh, 60 days of remand by the police so it means it's given for the police and in most of the cases, uh, from our previous record and also ex-detainees' um, uh, statements, uh, right, confessions and all that, there are a lot of uh, torture practice forced to admit the uh, so-called crime and all that, uh, a lot of torture practices. So during that 60 days under the remand so-called investigation, a lot of interrogation happens, uh, a huge report. And also for the worry, it was again and again misused since its installment in 1960. So in 60s, it was used against... Uh, political dissenters, especially and from people from the Pati Rayat, uh, Pati uh, Labour Party, and as well. And then seventies, the we know it was again used against a student uh, who raised issue, people's issue. And in eighties, uh, during the Operasi Lalang, in famous Operasi Lalang under Mahathir, it was used again uh, for the political uh, reason. Uh, Hundred over people were arrested under this law. So Swaram was uh, formed in 1989 by the family members of the ISA detainee and together with the ex-detainees. The initial uh, push was to get uh, ISA to be abolished. And uh, fast forward, it was abolished in 2012 after then the Prime Minister Najib uh, thought his popularity is also going down. Uh, he, uh, in 2008 election, he lost a few states. Uh, there was a huge protest uh, by people and the family members uh, in the city of Kuala Lumpur um, this is a, a large protest organized by Swaram and many other groups, uh, Gerakan Mansukan ISA. And then ISA was uh, abolished in 2012. Post-ISA, Najib reintroduced because of um, people within his own party and many uh, groups uh, that won this kind of a detention without trial for them comfortably do the investigation without uh, judicial oversight. So 2012, they introduced SOSMA, um, SOSMA is basically a, a, a procedural law. Uh, it's not even a chargeable uh, law. It's a procedural law. Uh, Security Offences Special Measures Act uh, 2012. 
and then followed by POCA Prevention of Crime Act and POTA Prevention of Terrorist Act. This is within a span of uh, four years. They bring back three different detention without trial law. Although people say uh, SOSMA is not a detention without trial law, but SOSMA is a procedure where enable the police to arrest and keep someone for 28 days without bringing them to the court. So that's already a detained um, they've been detained uh, without any uh, uh, judicial oversight, which is right. most crucial and most important. And in this case, it's not there. So we still call it a detention without trial or detention without proper court processes. So this 28 days. Uh, and during that time, we protested. Uh, on top of it, the government promised uh, it will be reviewed. Uh, they had the sunset clause. Uh, SOSMA will be reviewed, especially on the 28 days uh, of um, remand under the police. I will be reviewed in parliament after five years. The other promises was SOSMA, the government will ensure will be not misused against political dissenter, like, uh, uh, unlike IAC. Right. So these right. are the two major uh, issues in terms of uh, SOSMA. So uh, one more thing about SOSMA. So they use the procedure to arrest you and keep you for 28 days in the name of the uh, investigation. But then once the 28 days are expired, they have to charge someone using penal code. So, which means even if you take out the SOSMA, the penal code, you still can use the penal code uh, under usual circumstances, arrest someone, bring them to the magistrate, get remand, and then if the remand expires, they can extend the remand, bring back to the magistrate and do that and charge them under the penal code. Here, they just use SOSMA for the processor. So, that's what we are against also. Right. Yes. So, y'all, um, Swaram has been and uh, other NGOs um, have been advocating to abolish SOSMA um, why should SOSMA be abolished? Has this law been abused in the past? And is it in violation of international human rights standards? Okay, there are two things. One mm -hmm. is definitely against international uh, standards. It's, it's a violation because the usual practice is the police can keep for 24 hours and which after that they have to bring to the magistrate to the court to get the remand order. So that's the check and balance here. That's the role of a judici judiciary. Right. So the court need to order the police. OK, you can keep him for three days in the name of investigation. And after that, you need to charge them. So if the, th the three days or four days, the initial period is not enough, then bring back to the court. Why it is important to bring back to the magistrate is if there is a torture happen, the magistrate have to ask the right questions uh, within the three days, how many hours they've been using, utilizing because your liberty already deprived. So how many hours you've been utilizing for the purpose of investigation? If none, that the magistrate have to like grant to release or, or let him free because the hours during the detention was not utilized for the investigation, the sole purpose of the uh, remand, the investigation. So in this case, the police given 28 uh, days blanket, it's against international standard. It's against uh, human rights principle. It's also declared as unconstitutional in, uh, even in Malaysian uh, court case. This one, I can come back later. Uh, but at the same time, uh, in terms of abusers, uh, we have recorded uh, many cases, SOSMA cases, where the torture were rampant. Um, even um, uh, so the SOSMA was, uh, the justification for SOSMA at that point of time was, you know, the global IS movement, uh, terrorists and all that. So they said this is part of the terrorist uh, measurement against terrorism and uh, they wanted to use uh, the terrorist suspect. So those who were arrested, it's not like they target one person or two person. Most of the time they arrest many, more than 10 at one go or 20 at one go. So we believe many of them are 
not even a soft supporter. They they don't even know uh, whether it's an offense when sometimes you carry a flag of IS at that point of time. This is I'm talking about 2012, where many people even don't know uh, about uh, IS and all that. Uh, so that's already an abuse of power. You're not targeting and uh, arresting. You just arrest many people, even in the WhatsApp group and all that. And then we have recorded rampant tortured practice during the 28 days. And many those who detained were incommunicado. They couldn't contact the lawyers or family uh, visit. They were denied. In some cases, uh, more than 48 hours. So, yeah, more than 48 hours. And uh, and then many were tortured to force to confess and uh, admit uh, their crime. Right. Uh, and on top of it, under this SOSMA procedures, it's a non-bailable, which means um, uh, a person only will be released after the uh, the process in the court uh, uh, finished, ends, right? Uh, so after the 28 days, they're going to use the penal code and charge someone. And until, unless the, the verdict from the court comes, uh, even in some, some circumstances, uh, they were freed, but the government went on an appeal uh, and then until the appeal process finished, you still uh, will be detained inside. So these are the important areas that we are against the 28 days, non-bailable and a few other issues. If this all will be taken, I think SOSMA uh, won't carry much weightage and it's good to go uh, in total. On the show with me today is Seven Dore Sami, Executive Director of Swaram. After the break, I ask him about the impact of detention without trial on individuals detained and their families. Keep it here on Live and Learn, BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Live and Learn. I'm Dashan Johan, and on the show with me today is Seven Dore Sami. He's the Executive Director of Swaram, and we're talking about why SOSMA needs to be abolished. So, Seven, how many people have been detained under SOSMA since its enactment? Around... 1,500 or more than 1,500 uh, since 2012, uh, more than 1,700, I would say, uh, from 2012 and uh, 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 now it's already 10 years, right, 2022. Uh, even in our record, this year alone, uh, it already more than 100 uh, right. so-called uh, um, those who are detained under SOSMA. And the problem with the statistic is also another thing. Uh, the police or the home ministry don't come out with the annual statistic on this thing. Uh, number of people who were detained under SOSMA, number of uh, those who were released uh, under POCA or POTA or others, law death in custody and individual, they don't uh, practice an annual report, annual statistic on that. So we have to rely on the parliamentary question and answer right to the member of parliament to get those statistics. But from our record, uh, it says more than 1,700. That's a huge number. Seven, I'm wondering what the impact of detention without trial, what's the impact on individuals detained and also their families? The family member that we met regularly, when they come uh, bring their cases, uh, mostly Malay and also Indian uh, family members. Uh, those who are arrested under the suspect uh, as a terrorist or terrorist-related offences, uh, mostly uh, Malay. And, uh, and and also SOSMA was used against organised crime. Uh, the, uh, some of them are mostly uh, also from uh, Indian background, uh, family members involved in gangsterism and so on and so forth. Um, so the common thing they shared is most of them are from uh, B40 families. So uh, in many circumstances, these are the people, those who are detained, 
are the breadwinner of the family, if not the sole breadwinner of the family. So that impacted the family uh, at large. So we are spe- we were speaking about the numbers, right? 1,700 over. Um, in, in, in our observation, uh, probably wanted, probably have some um, weightage on these um, charges and all that. Uh, but the others, you need to bring them to the court, had to have a fair trial to decide whether they are uh, really involved or not, they are guilty or not. So, but this, because of the non-bailable, this was taken and then they are held inside. So that's a, it gave a lot of impact to the family in terms of their um, uh, day-to-day uh, survival. So now they are forcing the children to work or find jobs or extra job or the mother, the family members to find an extra job to feed the family. Uh, so that's one of the most common one. The children were traumatized because uh, they didn't have a trial or the trial is pending. But because they are serving uh, while the trial is pending, they are serving uh, imprisonment. So they've been uh, chopped or they've been seen as a criminal. So that's impacted the kids a lot. Let's say if the court declared they are not guilty, uh, they're released, but the numbers of years they went through this traumatic uh, period. So that's another uh, issue because of uh, the, the, the SOSMA procedures. So there are many, many, many issues. It's impacted a lot the family members and the family members uh, beside work and find and uh, needs, meet the end needs, right? They also have to get involved, find a lawyer, uh, spend a lot of money uh, to get the lawyers to take up their cases and then they have to visit the family members again and again. Sometimes they don't have enough money, all that. So this is uh, impacted their economically very much as well, not only uh, their psychologically and also it's impacted the whole family actually. So what would you say to people who are genuinely concerned about security? Because like you mentioned, um, there is a portion of people who are detained under SOSMA, who are involved in, let's say, organized crime, for example. They may have links to terrorism and so on so on and so forth. So some people may listen to that and say, you see, that that's why we need SOSMA, right? You know, otherwise, like, you know, who is going to catch all these people and, and so on and so forth. That's the impression that some people have. So what would you say to people who are worried that if SOSMA is abolished, there is, there's going to be an, uh, a bigger security threat to the country? No, that's a very valid uh, point, very valid question as well. Um, even myself, if you ask me, I wanted to have a proper secured system. I wanted to have a proper secured law, security laws to protect me and my family, my, my friends and everyone actually in the country, right? So that concerns is, uh, it's not like if you're against this security law, uh, you are you are you are with the terrorists, or you are supporting, or you are against any uh, security measurement. It's not that way. Uh, what we are against is detention without trial. When you impose a security law, it should have a proper judicial oversight, right? Uh, follow the good practices in many other countries. Many other countries have a greater uh, good security law uh, to prevent all this uh, terrorism uh, and also to counter the terrorism uh, threat. Uh, but here in some selected country, they practice the detention without trial laws and they are comfortable with it because they've been using this for so many years. But that's also undermining uh, 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 a proper investigative uh, unit, right? So police within the law, uh, they should be able to investigate and then find or charge the culprit or the suspect in the court. 
not just arrest them, keep them and uh, for 60 days and then uh, send them to detention without uh, trial, then we wouldn't know whether they are really committed or not. And then we wouldn't know what really happened, what really transpired right. and, and what kind of uh, process they were looking into. Having said that, we already, um, uh, in the July city, SOSMA, the 28 days was, uh, was voted out. But then, uh, then the Home Minister Hamza brought it back uh, right. in the next sitting and it was passed. But during that time, the Inspector General of Police, uh, Dato Sri Akril Sani, he said, now PDRM, uh, since the SOSMA 28 days was taken away, uh, they are ready to use other laws like under the Penal Code, uh, uh, Chapter 6, Chapter 6A, and then uh, Chapter 3, and so on and so forth. So there are many provisions already there in the Penal Code for you to use against the counter uh, as part of the counter-terrorism measurement. So once, because you already have, why you still need SOSMA? As I said earlier, SOSMA is not a chargeable offence. You don't use SOSMA to counter terrorism or charge someone a suspect under terrorism act. You have to rely on penal code. SOSMA is just a procedure. So that's what we are against uh, on, on, on that. So we already have enough law to counter that. And definitely these laws are... Uh, good to go, good good enough uh, to secure our country, secure the people from a terrorist uh, threat. Now, ISA was abolished, like you mentioned earlier, during Najib's era because of um, mass protests. Um, people were organised and they pushed back against um, against this this uh, this draconian law um, despite you know at that time it was you know nobody imagined that could be a different government and, and things like that it was you know people were convinced that you know it's BN is going to be there forever and, and so on and so forth despite that you know civil society along with the people managed to push for the ab abolition of ISA I'm wondering, are there any efforts underway by civil society to organize and mobilize the people in the same manner as the anti-ISA rallies back in the day? Okay, uh, that's also a very important uh, question. And we need to understand the psychology behind uh, ISA as well as SOSMA. And it's also closely related to the earlier question uh, on, uh, uh, on the security law and security measurements, right? Uh, in terms of ISA, because it was um, enacted in 1960, and as I said, it's been continuously was misused for, for political reasons. So the buildup, it's more than a decade, right? Uh, people try to understand and then slowly got to understand that ISA is being misused against political uh, reasons, political uh, advantages for the, uh, the people in power at that point of time. So the build-up and then people, uh, and also there's uh, many political parties involved uh, against ISA. So it became a real people's movement slowly when people start to understand, okay, again, it was misused again and again. Uh, so, and, and, and it reflected in the voting as well. Uh, 2008 election, there's a few states gone and Najib understand, okay, ISA is a bit a liability for me now. So he took the populist move and abolish ISA. Right. Uh, yeah. So the point here is it was again used uh, for the political reason. People were very clear. But post uh, ISA 2012 uh, onwards, SOSMA, we find it difficult to convince people because the, the rhetoric and the narration of the police and the state was, oh, we are against uh, terrorists. Uh, we are using this against uh, terrorism. And that point of time in the worldview on the IS uh, movement was also uh, larger. So that uh, was a bit setback on when we wanted to like uh, 
bring back a movement uh, to fight against SOSMA. But over the years, uh, there was a pocket of protests we done uh, within a group uh, family members. Uh, we have uh, given memorandum to the Home Minister and protest at the Parliament a few times. Uh, so this was, but uh, what is uh, needed at this point of time now, the people's awareness on SOSMA and why it's been misused in the name of uh, counter-terrorism uh, is increasing. And we're also planning to have a proper uh, coordinated uh, protest uh, if the new government still wanted to continue the SOSMA. All right. Before we wrap this conversation up, Seven, would you have a final message for us? Uh, my final message to the Home Minister is again the same thing. Uh, hold your horse. Please have a proper engagement. Get some advices on from the people who are already working on this issue for so many years. Not only one party who've been uh, doing the same rhetoric again and again, who don't want to see beyond uh, SOSMA. So you have to see beyond your SMA because that's your not only your personal promise, but it's also a prom promise from the Pakatan Harapan. And uh, SOSMA, there's a clear abuses, uh, not only uh, using against political dissenters, but also within the scope. There's a lot of uh, abuses, uh, SOSMA, because we also have a cases people chain remanded, then uh, use SOSMA and then use POCA. So that's clearly a blatant abuse of uh, uh, power and a violation of human rights. And again, we are moving towards a developed nation. It's very important to uphold fundamental human rights and being an exemplary nation in the region. Uh, it's very important. So please start with uh, real reform uh, rather than uh, you know try to like uh, break your own promises, uh, in, uh, especially on this matter. There are many other issues as well. Uh, start with the proper stakeholders engagement and then uh, hold by your promises and also your reform agenda. That's more important. It will be reflect the government of the day if you fail to reform, especially on the on this uh, draconian laws and also institutional reforms. And on that note, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Dasran. Thank you very much. That was Seven Duresami, Executive Director of Swaram, on why we need to abolish SOSMA. Okay, we do need to go for another break. After the break, I'll be playing an old interview where YB Mariachi and Abdullah shares her experience of being detained under SOSMA. Keep it here on Live and Learn, BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Live and Learn. I'm Dashran Johan. Before the break, I spoke to Seven Dore Sami, Executive Director of Swaram, on why we need to abolish SOSMA. Now, I'm going to be playing a portion of an old interview I did with former Pataling Jaya MP Mariachin Abdullah, who talked about her experience being detained without trial under SOSMA. So, here it goes. Fast forward to November, the 18th of November 2016. It's a very dark day. Um, you were arrested under the Security Offences um, Special Measures Act, also known as SOSMA, which basically allows the authorities to detain a person for, for 28 days before filing any charge. Now, this is a draconian, terrible law. You were released um, after 11 days in detention without trial. Why were you arrested? And do you remember exactly what happened on the day of the arrest? <laughs> uh, actually, we were happily selling our T-shirts. Uh, <laughs> uh, I just came back from lunch with Mandeep and then we were saying that, hey, you know, the place uh, has got kind of um, too many people hanging around because uh, Avenue 8 is, um, is our office area. So you hardly get people hanging around, but it's, it's, a, it's an office, so we... 
we were just wondering, oh, well, maybe they are here because of the t-shirts or whatever reason. Uh, when we went up, it, not too long, yeah, the police came. Uh, my I.O. Uh, that's the worst I.O. I have ever come across. Um, <clears throat> where he um, he kicked out all the lawyers, even uh, including senior lawyers like Siva, um, who represent me. Uh, he kicked out all of them. They didn't allow even uh, Ambiga to come in. Uh, lock the door. Can you imagine lock our yeah. office door? And we were kind of like kurung inside the office. Uh, and that was when they um, took our computers, our files. Then they brought in the MCMC to check on our internet and phones. And I don't know what they did. Um, so uh, then they said that me and Mandip were arrested. Only two of us. Our phones were taken. Uh, then we, we were sent to um, IPD Petaling Jaya. There they actually identified all the things that they have taken. The long and short of it is that they were thinking that if they take away the head and then all the uh, supporters like the staff and um, the activists because all on that night I think they took about 14 people. 14 people were arrested in, at their homes. Yeah, The government felt that by doing that, people will be even more fearful. And right. less people or maybe nobody will come out to the rally. And definitely they have not learned nor understand the Berset movement. Because the Berset movement is not about icons. It's really about people feeling for the cause. And that's why they come. It's always been about the people, what they want. Yeah, um, that determines and shapes the direction of Berset. Um, so, when even when we were arrested, the, the rally went on. There was no problem. <laughs> they tried to break up, you know, block here and there as usual, um, trying to do the cat and mouse game with us. But eventually, I I wasn't there. But I gather that eventually they were in um, KLCC. So therefore, it just shows that you know, um, once you build a movement that is strong enough. Uh, and with the support of the people, it can go on on its own. There will be new leaders coming forward to take over. And, and new leaders came forward to organize the people when they got blocked and, and things like that. And I think that they, they use SOSMA is to instill that fear. Because before that, if you remember, they were going on about the bombings and ISIS and... and and, and that kind of uh, right. weird stories that were being thrown in the media, um, they were trying to create that kind of fear about riot, la, terrorist, la, and so forth. But people have, have grown to understand that kind of propaganda doesn't hold water anymore. What went through your mind what, while you were inside? What gave you courage? Hmm. Uh, when I was uh, introduced to my interrogators. I think there were about uh, 12 of them or so. Um, the first thing that was told to me, uh, I'll be there for 28 days, if not more. So in, in a sense, uh, I'm, I kind, I mean, I understand uh, SOSMA. So I'm, I was like, oh, 
um, quite ready for 28 days. After that, I'm not sure whether uh, I'm ready for any other things. Yeah. Uh, to be honest, this is the first time that I went to jail. Most of the time when I was arrested, it's actually on police bail. Mm. Yeah. Uh, even when I was arrested in uh, Sabah at uh, Kudat, um, they didn't really put me in jail. Yeah. Eventually, it was a police bail and then uh, I came back. So, uh, SOSMA in the detention center where you don't even know where it is, you're blindfolded. The minute you step out of your cell, um, you're blindfolded till you reach your interrogation center. Uh, or interrogation room. Um, it's a bit um, disturbing, worrying, definitely. Scared, of course I am, uh, because I really don't know um, what comes next and what will they do. Uh, my I.O., um, um, the one who arrested me at the office, was somebody who just shout and shout. He cannot talk to people properly. He just shouts. Um, you just have to answer one sentence and he shouts back, you know. So uh, so I was also expecting that kind of treatment. Um, to some extent, yes, I did get some of that uh, when I don't, when they think that, you know, I'm not being cooperative. Uh, but to be honest, they couldn't get much from me because whatever that I know and tell them is already on the website of Perse. Right. We are, we are very transparent in terms of our money. Um, the press statements are all there from A to Z. Um, our activities, we take po- pictures and post, post, post. Um, everything is up there. Even our committee structure, who they are, it's all up there. So, Mm, so I told them that you know you can get all these answers from the website and they downloaded every single page from the website and showed me Um, but they wanted to keep on asking the same old questions just to make you feel insecure they are in power make you lose your confidence they use the family to actually threaten you um, it's just to make you feel small and and uh, unprotected to a large extent and to break down. I guess um, my treatment as compared to other SOSMA detainees, they got it even worse. Uh, they, they were very physical. Uh, they didn't use force on me. It's just mainly verbal abuse. That was a portion of an old interview with former Pataling Jaya MP Maria Chen Abdullah who talked about her experience being detained without trial under SOSMA. If you'd like to listen to the full interview with Maria Chen, you can check out the Good Things podcast titled Maria Chen Shares Memories of Bursay and Detention Without Trial. I'm Dashan Johan and this has been Live and Learn, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.